get your smoke on, I'll get your chill on, let's get these conversations on, crawling on moms, and anybody who's living life, the Pop Moms Podcast is here. Hello and good time of day that you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, you guys. We are here again with more of our favorite terms about our favorite plant, the ABC series. The ABCs of cannabis. Today we are going to kick off with the letter M. So we decided to go a different way than the traditional marijuana. marijuana. Although, this. Although it is important to note, and we really would like to say that marijuana is a term that was derived to negatively impact people of color who were involved in cannabis production. Yeah. So we want to go ahead and call that out, knowing that we have privilege to even be on a podcast saying this, and we think that it should change. Yeah, but we are not going to unpack the term marijuana. Today we're going to talk about myrcene. Myrcene. So myrcene is a terpene that's found in cannabis. So if you're unfamiliar, let's quickly review what a terpene is. Terpenes are aromatic compounds that give plants their unique scents. Terpenes can actually be found in almost all plants. And they're often used when describing the effects of cannabis so that it can bridge it for people who are maybe less familiar with weed. So, for example, terpenes are the reasons that weed can smell skunky or like mangoes or like a pine tree. Um, It can even make you sneeze. Uh, One of the other terpenes um, actually makes me sneeze when I smoke it. And we'll get more into that with an upcoming terpene series. But while we're centered on this, we're going to be talking about myrcene. So myrcene in particular has an earthy, peppery aroma with a hint of fruit. It can be found in mangoes, lemongrass, basil, and hops. So smell your weed next time you smoke it and see if you can get a whiff of something else that exists in nature. Yeah, and it, so it's like those little tiny hairs that are coming off the flower, right? Like that is where the terpenes are found, or those are physically the terpenes? That's where terpenes are found. Okay, incredible. So just like on a mango that has like those little tiny squigglies, basically, right? On the interior? I, I, was, or I like, don't, I can't speak to actual like plants, but I, with cannabis specifically... I know. I'm thinking about when you take a bite of a mango and you get those, like, strings in your teeth. I don't think that's it. Okay. I think that's just, like, pulp, like, in orange juice. (laughs) Mm, Yes, right, right. Cool, That is the physical makeup of the fruit. (laughs) Okay. I love that. But I like that because I was, like, I was trying to figure out, because I I don't know either. You know, the part of, I can can speak to the cannabis part of it, but not the other parts of regular plants, which, you know, is an interesting thing to think about. But I would say... Uh, you know, when you take an orange rind and you squeeze it and all that stuff shoots out yeah, in the sunlight. Yeah, aromatic oils. Yeah. I love that. Okay, Me great. Too. Well, and these properties, the terpenes, are, are actually where you find so much of the medicinal quality of cannabis, of yes. course, which you could unpack. Tell us about Mercine's amazing medicinal properties. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great segue. Uh, Strains with myrcene are also known for anti-anxiety and pain relief, which are things that plague, I would say, most of our nation. Yeah, truly everybody. We feel like, I mean, also the anti-inflammatory properties, which we we are so used to taking things like Tylenol or Advil or whatever, ibuprofen, to deal with anti-inflammatory or like with inflammation. With swelling, with pain, totally. Yeah, and yet we have this like incredible plant medicine that 
plot twist, zero, it's not a plot twist, <laughs> big spoiler alert that is not at all a spoiler, there are zero cannabis deaths every year, whereas there's like a hundred plus from Tylenol every year. So Plus not to mention there's like impacts on your liver when totally. you consume Tylenol long term, and not Tylenol, I'm using it obviously uh, with just the, the name for the brand, but... Any it, supplements, whatever, yeah. yeah, acetaminophen is what, yep. yeah, anyways. Exactly. Um, and really cool, honestly. So uh, a while back, my father-in-law actually ended up getting hit by a truck in Florida. And that sounds really dramatic to say. Gasp. Very, only in Florida. <laughs> only in Florida. Luckily, he is okay. But it was really interesting because I had a conversation with him regarding pain management around it. And he outlined the first four days after it happened. Uh, the first day, he took Tylenol and he took an edible and he woke up with no swelling in his knee. And that's immediately after being hit by a truck. So, I mean, wow, right? Second day, repeated the same thing, had the Tylenol, had the uh, the cannabis edible, and same thing. So the next one, he's like, okay, I'm going to experiment with this a little bit. I'm only going to take the Tylenol. And he woke up with a swollen knee. Gasp. Boom. I know. <laughs> and then, wait, here's the kicker. The fourth day, he only took the edible and didn't take the Tylenol and he woke up with no swelling. And like, this is, this is a guy who grew up during the propaganda era of the war on drugs, like, you know, has kind of seen it change throughout the years. And it was really cool to be able to have a conversation with him about it. Um, Because I know that sometimes trying new things is scary. And we're very used to the results we get from Tylenol. I mean, entire pharmaceutical companies have built up I mean, like generational wealth based off of, you know, this. So it's just, it's interesting when used with cannabis, how like it might just really be the cannabis and just really be the cannabis. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, having these anecdotal evidence or these stories from people you trust, right? Like in his circumstance, you know, it took him a while to come around to this. He was not into it for a long time. And I think that's a lot of people's experience. They, they have heard like, oh, maybe it can be helpful. Maybe this, maybe it helped this person. But like, I don't, I'm still not sure if I want to try it. But then, you know, you hear the success stories and the success rates. And I mean, at least it's interesting to like, give it a try. You know, I think what's funny is like the overshadowing of people who have maybe consumed too much overshadows a lot of the good things brought to the table when used properly. But the thing I always come back to, and I I know that we compare cannabis to alcohol a lot, and it's really not meant in a way to diss alcohol, because again, we respect however you want to medicate. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting to me how I personally like have thrown up how many times or had like embarrassing nights with alcohol, where then like the next day you go back to it versus you know, taking cannabis once, having a bad time once, having all of those things in the back of your head that maybe you grew up with hearing through D.A.R.E. or the propaganda of before D.A.R.E. And it's just interesting to me how we can go back to something that like has tried and true, <laughs> made me throw up, given me oh anxiety God. the next day. And, you know, and then right. one bad time with cannabis or not even maybe personal bad use with cannabis, maybe someone else's anecdotal story. Because again, yeah. those are important stories. Like yeah. when we talk with people that we try trust that like I guarantee the conversion rate of a recommendation from a person who you trust is so far above and beyond versus even any study that comes out totally I know and it is interesting because even like in doing the research about these terpenes all the writing the literature is like 
so obviously dancing around the fact that this stuff has actually been proven. So like this article that's on whatever WebMD, and it's, it's based around a study that's on the National, National Institute of Health. In the beginning, it's like, it's not clear if cannabis can treat cancer. And then it goes on to say, in multiple studies, cannabis has been found to stop the growth of tumors, to like a, attack and kill the cells in leukemia, and like lists all these things. And I'm like, so it is treating cancer. Like, what do you mean? And I think that's all comes back to the term we didn't use, marijuana, which is like the roots of the stigma are so ingrained in our culture that even when presented with this obvious evidence that it is helpful, that it is anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, whatever, based on these various terpenes, which we'll unpack more for you guys, um, they're still like resisting it and trying to like pussyfoot around it and pretend like, well, maybe there's a reason it should still be illegal, but... I don't know, based on all this stuff, I don't think so, personally. I mean, our mostly male white government isn't, like, a super huge fan of walking back things, yeah. like, as evidenced by, like, a lot of history. Oh, except that our rights. Don't forget, they love to walk back those. Oh, God. Oh, that was such a softball toss that I didn't even intend, which will make me instantly depressed. But, um, no, I mean, you're you're totally right about that. But it's yeah. it's interesting to me because... Even when we talked about H and we talked about all of the textile benefits of hemp, yeah, having cannabis be good is would completely change society today as we know it. And I, I think know. that and the lack of control that can be exerted over that is where people get a little bit scared because then our lumber industry, our yes. you know, uh, our whatever, our our oil industry, industry, our cotton industry, like yeah. all of those industries are would be super impacted by cannabis and hemp being a shift towards more of a sustainable option so i mean that's something to noodle on today for you if you didn't have enough doom looming things (laughs) already circling around your head you're welcome you're already in a spiral join us down our current but i do feel like that like continues to make me realize how important it is for us to keep talking about it and for people in your own social circles to talk about it and like i mean i can't tell you how many times that like i didn't bring weed to a party and i just drank so i didn't rock the boat But, like, I didn't want to drink. I would rather just be a little high because I'm way more fun, I think. I mean, I'm I'm really fun both ways. I shouldn't (laughs) sell myself short that way. You're always fun no matter what (laughs) substance you're on. It's so – I mean, yeah. Or even then. Even then. (laughs) Even then. Uh, Okay, well. So, to close out Mercine, um, I always like to make it somewhat relatable, too, to maybe the weed you might be smoking. So, here are four strains where Mercine is prevalent in. Um, Blue Dream. We've Mm, heard of that one. That's uh, that's an OG. Uh, Grape Ape. Okay. Tangy, which is one of my personal faves. I love all, like, tangerine derivatives, too. It's, like, so yummy. Totally. And then Granddaddy Purple, too. And I have a really soft spot in my heart for perps. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Big same. I know. I love it. Love that for us. All right. Let's (laughs) dive deep for... Let's dive right into our next. So we are going to ride this terpene wave. We're going to ride this terpene wave right into a terpene that we love to try to pronounce. Yes. Neurolidol. 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 Neurolidol is? Neurolidol. 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 Neurolidol is a floral aroma showcasing jasmine, tea tree, apples, and rose. It feels divine. 
so divine. It's actually also used as a fragrance and even a food additive. Mm. Benefits of this terpene include antifungal, antioxidant, anti-anxiety, antibacterial, and antimicrobial. Just to name a few. Just That's a lot of benefits. A few. I know. It can be a natural insect repellent. Uh, it's been shown to like improve skin penetration. So like of products, which is why they use it in various things. But like the key is that all of these, I feel like all get to inflammation, which is the precursor to like everything. Everything. Like right now, I literally feel so inflamed because we drank last night and we like had some cocktails. And I mean, when you were talking previously about like, wish you just brought weed to a party, the last cocktail I had last night, it was the point where I should have just like switched to a water, like sparkling water and like hit a joint. And instead I had that one last cocktail and woke up feeling like I got hit by a truck. Right. (laughs) Where's my edible now? (laughs) Right. Totally. But yeah. So anyways, anti-inflammatory properties are huge in all of these terpenes, which I think is very powerful. And this one has also been shown to have anti-cancer properties. It was shown to inhibit the growth of breast cancer cells in vitro. And another study found it to induce apoptosis, which is the programmed cell death of leukemia cells. This shit's important, guys. Totally. And I mean, like, it's also really calming, which, like, we talk about two big uh, enemies, I guess, just of overall homeostasis and well-being being things that are inflammatory and stress. Yeah. So uh, I really like that. I like to do deep dives into some of these terpenes too. And especially because, again, they're found in all plants. So it makes it a little bit more approachable, right? Because like yeah. the big thing with breaking stigma is making something that's maybe a little bit more foreign seem relatable. Yeah, Right? Totally. Find a way to relate to it. And you're like, I love a good basil moment. So why wouldn't I love Neuralidol? Neuralidol. <laughs> a plant with Neuralidol in it, a.k.a. our BFF cannabis. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so here are some of the strains that include Neuralidol. Neuralidol. Jack Herrera, Blue Dream, again. Okay. So here's a really good time to go ahead and address that. In cannabis, there are multiple terpene profiles. In every strain. In every strain. No one is terpene specific. Mm-hmm. So some might flex higher in Myrcene, but they also can have Neuralidol in it. There's a really cool opportunity to almost create a bouquet of what you're looking for Love when you're choosing your cannabis strains. And big pro tip here is talk with your bud tenders about it. Yeah. As we teach you, as we go through all of the different terpene names, the different profiles, and there are a lot of them. So I know, buckle so up. Many. We probably will only be able to cover top ones. I know. And I do feel like I'm excited to dive further into those in a different format for you guys in the future because like I'm so curious. I don't feel like I know enough about them. And like I do know, for example, that limonene, which is in a lot of strains, can give me heart palpitations, which like not so much when my tolerance is high, but if I haven't been smoking as often, I really try to avoid it because it like makes my heart feel a little bit more racy, which is interesting. So like they just have different impacts on different people depending on, you know, no, that's a, real, that's a great point. And the more that you can educate yourself about how your body interacts with it. Yeah. And again, I know that we've toyed around with the idea of like a weed diary. I've laughed it off for the last however many years I've smoked weed. Yeah. And now I really do write down strains that make me feel like I have anxiety. Yeah. And I look more into them to see is there a commonality between the terpenes so then I can know to go ahead and stay away from said terpene. 
Mm, preach. Um, ChemDog is another strain, uh, actually, that has a lot of the neurolidol in it as well. I love that. So, the more you know. The more you know. But it is a potent antioxidant. So it, like, protects your cells from damage caused by free radicals, guys. And you know those unstable molecules can damage your DNA and your other cellular components. So... And that there's a plethora of them in every aspect of our lives. Literally everywhere. We're every finding time you wa- plastics in our blood. No big deal. <laughs> Welcome back to the doom spiral. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good educational one, though, with a side of doom spiral. Exactly. Which is like most things when you're living through a mass extinction event. So. It's true. We just, you know, bring both sides. It's all about that balance. Exactly. If you can't laugh, what are you even doing here, guys? It's very true. <sighs> okay. What's the la- next letter? We're on to O. O is for OG. OG in the cannabis world pays homage to the original strains or cushes. These are very prevalent in the most popular cannabis strains that we know today. OG initially was tied back to stand for ocean grown, which refers to the location in which the cannabis strain was cultivated and grown, but also can go ahead and give like a nod to the OG original gangster, which I used my like air quotes there, uh, (laughs) which points to the origin strain plants that have been crisscrossed with other strains to get us to the flavors that we know and love today. Love it. And then one of my favorite facts about uh, this OG that we're talking about is that these OG strains or cushions are actually drawn back to a phenotype that was originally cultivated in California from seeds that have been said to be obtained at a Grateful Dead show. I'd smoke that. Don't twist my arm. I know. Hand it over. So like I like to think about this as like these OG cushions are like the wolf to my... Very genetically modified little baby bird dog, Carl. Yes, you know? 100%. Like, so, so the, yeah. Like the cavemen. <laughs> exactly right. Like the primitive version of your cannabis that you know and love today. That would be like the OG Kush and, you know, the crouching tiger hidden alien variant I mentioned before in a past episode. That would be the Carl. Yeah, so anything, like, when you're thinking about what the OG strains are, anything with Kush in it is really kind of a a throwback there. So, Critical Kush, Bubble Kush, Kush Berry, I mean, you know, however you're looking at it. Chemdog, too, right? Chemdog, too, Uh and anything with an OG in there, too. So, like, OG Kush kind of, you know, blasts those all together, but we've got Skywalker OG. You talked about Alien, right? Yeah, Alien OG. OG. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you see OG, you know that it is from one of the basis of the original phenotypes of cannabis strains. It's Which, like the wolf caveman. Yeah, exactly right. The original. Now that kind of leads us nicely into our term for P, which is phenotype. Phenotype or pheno. I just said this word for the letter O. Did you catch it? A phenotype is the physical expression of a plant's genetic blueprint. Stay with me. (laughs) These traits come from the parent plant used to make a new baby plant strain. So the most interesting part of this, I think, is that phenotypes are actually influenced by the environment in which they're grown in. Like adaptations, hello? Yeah. 
So what this looks like in real life, which again for me is important to go ahead and draw a parallel towards something that is maybe a little bit more understandable and easier to, uh, I guess, cash in my head, is let's use an example. So we've talked about Blue Dream a couple times, that strain. So if that strain is grown indoors under grow lights, that strain is going to give a different type of profile than one that was grown in New York, in upstate New York, outside, versus one that's grown on the West Coast. And even between Washington and California, those blue dreams are all going to look different. And that's based off of the differences in the regions that they're grown in. So that can produce different results. And for whatever reason, that just blows my fucking mind. Yeah, I mean, I think... Is it like, it's kind of like the nature nurture concept, right? Where like, it's both and you have this nature, which is the phenotype. And then the expression of that is from the nurture of the environment. So like in a human comparative, well, and yeah, this actually is a good, good comparative because so like in humans, this concept of the presence of disease, right? Like you have, you can have the quote unquote phenotype of like a disease expression, but then your lifestyle can influence whether or not that disease actually manifests. Yeah, totally. Uh, Other examples of human phenotype to like give you the comparative would be like your height, your eye color, your blood type, you know, these like categorical concepts, if you will, that then are expressed differently in every person. Yeah, no, I dig that. Um, And this might not be something that's related, but I always told myself this. So um, my, like I have Eastern European blood in me, right? I have Eastern European and, and Irish. Those are those are my main two. And it's really funny because I always um, really hated like I I have really I had really thick eyebrows. And she I has really, amazing eyebrows, and I love them now. But but like when you know the thin eyebrows were in, and I felt like oh an God. alien. Um, it was always really interesting to me that when I went and looked back because that area in a lot of cases was sandier or there was other different things going on in the environment, I have features that would have protected me better. So like thicker eyelashes, but not long, like they're thick and great, but they're not like, they're not super long. Um, and then really like heavier eyebrows or even like more nose hair or things like that impact based off of where like genetically you come from interesting so like if we think about I was like i don't even care if that's relevant to weed that's fascinating to think about your yeah. bushy eyebrows protecting you from sand right and... wow cool i know so i mean if i get ear hair here's to not feeling bad about it oh my god i love that I we've already am... discussed your fifth grade mustache exactly so we, <laughs> so we are there your mouth from sand it's, and my nose my <laughs> just like you know i just gotta give this body a big pat on the back for all the things that you know way to look out i know i, I know it's your phenotypes are looking out for you phenotypes are looking out for you and similarly phenotypes in cannabis can can look out so like for example when we are growing at our house we look oh, for yeah. plants that are aromatic that can complement the growth of the cannabis plants so we'll put in lavender we'll put in Ooh. different types of aromatic i mean i have um honeysuckle growing in my backyard i have uh i have jasmine growing in my backyard um and then it's just it's interesting the way again the environment so like in addition to having things that are highly aromatic 
close to my cannabis plants, I have just fruit sharing trees. the soil with it. That the just that, in the area. Like... So like when the when the I mean the environment being like close proximity, oh, yeah. but then also if you think about the insects that are going to go from plant to plant, oh, right? Yeah. So like there is going to be that your... type of interaction. Yeah. Wow. And um also just I guess because we're talking about that, one thing we consider too is uh natural pest I call it deterrence. Yeah. So because we... Neurolidol. Neurolidol. Insect repellent, you guys. And it's in jasmine, which I have in my backyard. So we will also plant crops to the direct sides that we allow uh, insects to munch on. Okay. So that they still have a food source, but it's not attacking like our crops specifically. So like leaf hoppers are a big one. And so we have, I have ground cherries to the side of one, um, which is in the tomatillo family. It comes with a little fun packet, personal wrappers. Love it. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got like begonias, we've got marigolds, we've got sunflowers, just things like that, that are good for pollinators that draw good insects to the area. And then also have enough, I guess, extra vegetation so that if we have animals, not animals, I mean, animals too. Yeah. Like that need to have that. They can go to those plants and they won't touch our pot plants. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is like such a well thought out and incredible garden you've got going. It's fun. We're going to have to do a segment where you take us on a garden tour and learn more about all these things because it would be really, I'm really entering my Beth era, which is like, you know, my gardening obsessed mother and I love it I get so jazzed don't you feel like you get why like because my mom always had she made beautiful floral like arrangements and pots and I can't do that I can plant one thing where it's supposed to be because I feel like my brain goes more like yeah like beauty is the second yeah. First is function and then beauty. So I don't necessarily go for like the same things, but I think it's interesting how it seems that most moms, women in yeah. general, like find gardening at some point. Because <laughs> they're stuck at home raising children. Well, and just like the alone time too. I mean, like yeah. it was really interesting to me because I like I used to I ran because it like it was healthy. Yeah. But now I feel like starting with the pandemic, I started running because I like enjoyed it. And I was just joking that I needed to run away from everything for a second. And that was its own little like bout of self-care for myself. Well, and it is so meditative gardening. And also people who garden that live an average of 14 years longer than people who don't. Yeah. And I don't know what study that's from, but my mom sent it to me. and I So trust, it's real. So we it's trust real. Our moms. We trust our moms. Remember that when you're lying to your kids. <laughs> they trust you. They trust you. Oh my gosh, I know. Okay, that's a random side trajectory because I overheard, I don't know, also from my mom that uh, Amy Poehler, I don't know if it was her or friend, whatever, this person told their son that he was like violently allergic to weed. He was, she was like, I'm so sorry. Like we're both super allergic. Like just makes you get hives and vomit, whatever. And he just believed it. Like weed and, cannabis? Yeah. Oh yeah. My God. And he just believed it until college when somebody tried to pass him a joint and he was like, no, I like, I'm allergic. And they were like, what? Like, how do you know? And he was like, oh, wait a second. It like dawned on him that his mother had effectively tricked him until he was 19 years old to like that he was allergic to weed so that he hadn't tried it yet. 
And I was like, oh, that's one way to trick your kid to let their brain fully develop before they start smoking a lot of weed. But I mean, intimately really damaging the relationship you will futurely have with that. Like at which cost? <laughs> also that. I know. At which cost? Uh, no, that's really funny. There, I have so many things like that where I've been like, oh no, that's this. And everyone, it's like the silence and everyone looks at you and you're like, yeah, huh, that's not true, is it? Yeah. <laughs> that has happened to me a number of times. And I am 100% doing that to my kids. And oh my I have God. no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> but just we'll about really later. funny things that are very obscure and like, oh yeah. My husband, they convinced the youngest brother, so, like, there's five of them that grew up in this house together, and they convinced the youngest one that he had a tail oh for, like, a long That's time. That's every family has a kid who had a tail. I'm I not know. kidding you. We did that, too. Yeah, I was like, you guys, cruel, but also, no wonder he doesn't trust you guys. <laughs> my sister convinced me I was adopted, and she was my younger sister. Oh, my God. Like, trust me, it happens. Hilarious. Well, this is the importance of just, you know, trusting in your own intuition well, and also being willing to recalibrate when presented with new information. Exactly. And I think that's key, too, because it was really funny because the reason that I was adopted is because her birth was filmed entirely because she was born in 1989 when it was still legal to have video cameras in delivery rooms. Uh, but now, because of malpractice, you can't have pictures. Interesting. I mean, you can have pictures. I don't believe you can have video. Yeah, you can have pictures, yeah. Um, so that was interesting. But then bringing forth data, once I realized when we got our camera, I realized it would have been impossible to film a birth without said camera. Yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. Not adopted. Not adopted, you guys. You heard it here first. Yep. Right from the loins of your mother. All right. So what do you guys think? I think this is fun. I have a really good time with it. I feel like the more that we talk about the education, furthering the stigma reduction, I'm not even going to say elimination because at this point we're just hoping for people to take us seriously, but not too seriously. Not too seriously. But I do, I appreciate an education moment. And also I like learning about all this stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And it, it allows you to appreciate it more as like a plant medicine and not just like we're saying that so people don't judge us. For getting <laughs> you know? high. Totally. For getting high, right? But that's yeah. like that's the dichotomy of it too, right? Because yeah. every time I bring this up, we had a moment when we were talking about this episode before. We were like, how stupid is it that like these things aren't more widely used for all of these reasons that we just talked about? Yeah, and really like what is leading the way in the legalization effort is like people loving to use it just to cope as like an alternative to alcohol when in fact, well, okay, maybe I shouldn't say I'm sure there's many other people that are like, absolutely not. The medical side is leading the way, which I'm sure is true too. We're all working together. Right. But it is just like a nice reminder that this, there's an alternative. Like you don't have to take acetaminophen every day as you age for your inflammation or whatever. There's options, you know? And I do want to chat at some point about RSO, Rick Simpson oil. Which Stay tuned for our R episode. It'll yeah. be a meaty one. Oh, yeah. Let's do it for that. Okay. Because we want, I want to unpack that too. That is like a type of oil that was developed by, well, we'll let you guys know, but a Canadian engineer. And it has proven monumental, both anecdotally and in studies, to treat cancer. So we'll chat about it. Endless benefits, guys. We're telling you. Not only to tuning into our podcast to learn things like this, but to having your own experience with cannabis. Exactly right. And also just the forever disclaimer, we're not doctors. We're just, you know, doing the best with what we know. And if you want to do the best with what we know too, hit us up, popmomspodcast at gmail.com. Bye.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like, their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.